Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. A lot of people live in denial because they think that to be realistic is to be depressing. I'm Dr. Mike, host of Going There. It was the first song where I wrote about how I felt like my depression was killing me and I didn't want it. Going There breaks the stigma of mental health issues by having real honest conversations with your favorite musicians, including Alessia Cara, Lizzie Hale, Jewel, Jason Isbell, Gerard Way, Lauren Gray, Shamir, and Barty Strange. There was something there that was so raw where I was like, wow, I can't believe someone would say that. Let's go there on Going There with Dr. Mike, brought to you by Sound Mind Live and the Consequence Podcast Network every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, 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 hey! How y'all feeling? Journey through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands? This year, that matter. With Brad Steiner and Barry Corder. Now, I don't know when you're listening to this, but is it a coincidence that we are talking about St. Paul and the Broken Bones at Bonnaroo 2018 on Easter Sunday? (laughs) <laughs> Pretty appropriate that we chose St. Paul and the Broken Bones for Easter Sunday That's service. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Serendipity. Yes, it is indeed. <laughs> Welcome to the What Podcast, a Bonnaroo podcast for Bonnarooians by Bonnarooians. We being the Bonnarooians. That's Barry Corder from the Chattanooga Times Free Press. I'm Brad Steiner from Hits 96 Radio in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Welcome to maybe my favorite moment of my entire professional career. Ah, wow. I loved this so much. Yeah, I when we started talking to him, as you guys will hear uh, when we start rolling the tape, I thought I was going to have to separate Brad and uh, <laughs> and Paul, even though it was over the phone. Yeah. It was a little fanboyish. I, I was I was tongue kissing the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I love St. Paul and the Broken Bones so much, as you will as you will hear. But the reason I love this so much is uh, I had a conversation with a uh, campmate of ours. We were uh, talking, if you know anything about our camp, our camp is called Camp Nut Butter. We've had the same dozen people camp with us for, for a long, long time. And one of our campmates, the guy that did all the graphics for the What Podcast, his name's Nick Turner. Uh, me and him um, almost share a brain when it comes musically. Uh, we, we could not be more tied to each other. He calls me up out of the blue the other day and he says, man, I just had, well, he talked to me, man, <laughs> I was just having this conversation, man. He was uh, talking about how in, around the office they were saying, I wonder who's the most genuine, loving artist that's out there today. Who's, uh-huh. who's just a genuine, good dude? And he said, you know what I thought about, man? I bet Paul Janeway's a really great <laughs> dude. And I told him, I was like, man, I just got off the phone with him. Yeah, yeah. There is no, no. Pre- there's no pretense with him. No. He's not faking it. He is legit maybe the nicest man I have ever talked to. He's awfully nice, and I uh, only because I mentioned it when I talked to him. It, that Just for people who don't know, I'm the uh, entertainment writer here for the Times Free Press, so I've done many, many interviews over a lot of years. Uh, Derek Trucks mm-hmm. and Susan Tedeschi are sincerely nice, normal people, yeah. as is uh, Warren Haynes. But you're right. Paul, as you guys will hear in this interview, was so much fun, so yeah. funny, and just so genuine. And, and I've talked to him now three or four times, uh, again, 
because of the job, and he's always been that way. Really? Yeah, the first time we spoke, he was just sort of uh, taken off, mm-hmm. and you he was just completely humbled and surprised that people were showing up and right. buying tickets, uh, and, and I think you hear that a little bit uh, in our conversation with him, but he's, he's obviously, um, I mean, from touring with the Stones to the being on the David Letterman show, one of the greatest... Yeah, moments so we talk about that but uh yeah just a super super nice guy and so much fun to see and this is this is gonna be a, a little different of a, of a episode we're gonna break this up into two parts because he was so kind and generous with his time he talked to us for like 48 minutes yeah and mainly because I think that it's just so good. I don't really want to edit much of it. I just right. want to play it. So we thought the best idea was to break it up into two parts. The first part being today, and the next week we'll do part two. Part two, we'll explain what he says at the end of the podcast because he gets into some some breaking news yes. in, in next week's podcast, and I hope he doesn't break it before we do because if we wait a week, we might, we might blow yeah, it. That's true. That's true. But the reason why we want to talk to Paul today uh, is because not only do we love him and not only love the band, but this is a great Bonnaroo story. Yeah. He is an absolute great Bonnaroo story because he, like Trevor from Moon Taxi, right. loved this festival so much and it's meant so much to him. And playing the festival was a moment for him that he never thought that he would actually get. Yeah. And you and I were both there. I remember that moment very clearly. Mm-hmm. Of them performing in uh, th- that tent. Wasn't it was it? this. This tent. Yeah. An afternoon show. The Thursday. crowd was Thursday evening. Thursday, yeah. yeah. It was so hot. So hot, but you could just see on his face this was a moment yeah. for him. He has some great stories that you guys are going to hear. I can't wait. It, it, I haven't laughed that hard yeah. in an interview <laughs> in a long, it, long time. We asked you a few weeks ago for your Bonnaroo stories. This might be the best Bonnaroo story yeah. I've ever heard. Yeah. If anyone out there can top his, I'm not <laughs> sure that I want to hear it. All right, let's do it. Paul Janeway from St. Paul and the Broken Bones. This week's featured guest on the What Podcast, a Bonnaroo podcast for Bonnarooians by Bonnarooians. Let's do it. Paul, 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 Paul. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing so great. It is such an honor to talk to you. I uh, I could not be a bigger fan of yours. Meeting you even at Bonnaroo years and years ago, your very first ever Bonnaroo, I was like a kid in a candy store. And <laughs> I, I just remember everybody on my, on my Instagram when I took the photo with you back there in the media compound, they all said two things. It was uh, A, who is that? And B, why is he holding a, a jar of honey? And I said, just wait. Just wait until you find out about St. Paul and the Broken Bones. And that then turned into uh, me following you guys around and seeing you guys 12 times in a year. 12 times wow. in a year. Wow. I couldn't be a bigger fan. I love you guys a lot. Oh, good. Well, that's good to hear. Hi, Paul. Barry Corder here as well. I'm I'm, I'm a big fan, but I'm, I'm going to have to try to keep Brad a, right. <laughs> at bay here. <laughs> I'm fanboying for a second. A little bit Allow of a me fan to fanboy. Hey. hey. <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather be talking to someone that's a fan of ours than like who the hell are these guys? Right. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you the first time uh, I was uh, walking off the stage at Bonnaroo uh, two years ago, three years ago, and Billy Joel was walking onto the stage, and um, I don't know there was a whole line of us walking off the stage, and, and Billy Joel was by himself as he walked up onto the stage, and I said, "Oh my God, there's there's Billy Joel," and I stopped dead in my tracks, and I and I looked at him, I said, "Billy Joel, great work." <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, That's all, yeah. I then realized at that moment I had nothing to say to Billy Joel. I had absolutely no material because I'm not that big of a fan. But I could talk to Paul Janeway all day if I could. Yeah. Oh, good. good. Yeah. yeah, well, I've had that problem too because I didn't grow up with a lot of music and I've 
talk to people and be like, hey, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you. I got to imagine you. you. Did you did you grow up with, with music that you could even maybe meet the artist? Because I feel as though you and Not I... Not really. Exactly. I feel like you and I have a kindred spirit because my selection at home is 60s soul. Whether it be Otis, right. Otis Clay or Otis Redding or Syl Johnson, those are the guys I listen to, and those guys ain't playing Bonnaroo very often. <laughs> no, no. No, no, it, it is weird because the good thing is like, though, when I get to meet like Booker T and Steve Cropper and those guys, that's when I'm like, that's when I'm like a kid in the candy store. Who have you met that you fanboyed over? Actually, you know, it's the, you know, the most starstruck I've ever been. I'm actually a huge professional wrestling fan. Okay. And uh, I sat next to Jerry the King Lawler. Jerry Lawler. Um, that's Memphis awesome. Legend, and I could not talk to him. My <laughs> wife started crying laughing. <laughs> I've met Elton John, the Rolling Stones, all these people, and I could not talk to Jerry the King Lawler. I one time followed Booker T in an airport by accident, though, because we were on the same flight, and his uh, his band actually came out to one of our shows in Australia, wow. and uh, that was pretty. I have to say I'm surprised that we've gone this far and Brad has not mentioned David Letterman. Why? Oh, yeah. Why? Yeah. Brad is, talk about fanboy. Well, he's my hero in life. If not for Dave Letterman, I would not be doing anything that I'm doing or the person that I am today. He is my absolute hero in, in every regard, in every piece of entertainment. He's the guy that changed not only uh, comedy, but he changed television, he changed entertainment. The fact that you guys got such a big break from Letterman, I mean, I wasn't going to bring it up, Barry, but if you really want to talk about Dave, I can talk about Dave. I, I'm wondering if I'm going to get to speak during this whole conversation. That was pretty remarkable because they had told us that he was a fan of ours, and I just kind of shrugged it off as lip service. And, you know what I mean? Because, like, oh, such a big fan. Yeah, says that and, to everybody, uh, right? Yeah, exactly. Says that to everybody. And then um, they were like, look, he, he is a really big fan. Like, he could ask for an encore, and he rarely does it, but it is possible. So would y'all be okay with that? And we were like, of course. Da, da, da. So then he goes into that long rant before the show, mm -hmm. before our performance, and I was just like, surely they're going to cut this out. <laughs> surely and they didn't and it became a thing and we you know it was uh it was really quite remarkable for people out there listening who haven't seen it google it it's one of the most remarkable late night television moments i've ever seen because they just gushed. i went 20 some odd years without missing a, an episode of dave i watched him every single night for 20 it, some it's odd a years. real sickness he has i know it's pretty crazy but <laughs> I'll tell you, the only time I ever remember him doing something like that was back in the late night days with James Brown. Yeah. When James Brown yeah. did uh, Late Night, that was the only time I remember him saying to somebody, I need you to keep going. Do it again. Keep wow. going. It was, it, was, it, was, it was one of those things where our career was doing pretty good. I mean, and, but the, the record cycle, as you know, kind of, was kind of winding down. And we were like, okay, we were getting ready to start to write the next record. Mm -hmm. And then that happened, and it like took us another level. And we were like, it, may change, it did. It changed our career. There's something about and, and I hope that I can talk to you maybe as somebody who maybe is a little out of body experience with you for a second, but it's like Paul on stage is a different is a different human being. And it's ironic that you are such a fan of pro wrestling because it is almost like a character that you're doing on stage that is just infectious. Uh yeah. I mean it's it's when you hit the zone. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's a different animal. It's my as I, I like to say it's my hour and a half of therapy and not. Let me go back cuz Paul you and I this is probably our fourth or fifth conversation which is one of the things I love about my job is sort of 
discovering maybe a new band or seeing a band at the beginning and then sort of following them the arc so to speak the first time i think we talked was after a scenic city roots show that you did here at track 29 is that yeah the video from that you were right around the same time the alabama shakes played there and both videos became huge sort of uh sensations it was like where did these people come from and then you were back i don't remember which one but you've been back for riverbend you've been back for two or three other things but we also talked at Bonnaroo you told me a great story which is one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you you actually worked Bonnaroo right didn't you volunteer I did I I was I had actually the first time I went slept in my car I'd spent I'd spent I was working at a tanning bed what I'm the most untanned person on the planet You're like a freshly peeled apple. Yeah. (laughs) I, uh, you know, I think Radiohead was playing. It was the first year Radiohead played. And I was working at a tanning bed because I didn't have a car. So I had to drive. I had to walk through. It was the closest thing I could walk through. And so I spent my my whole month's paycheck on a Bonnaroo ticket to go see Radiohead. And I was, and I slept in my car and it was, that was terrible. So the year that Jay-Z and Stevie Wonder played. God, that was my favorite year of Bonnaroo history. Yeah. I couldn't afford a ticket. And, you know, the whole the whole thing that they dangle is like, hey, you can work security. Yeah. We'll pay you, like, minimum wage. But guess what? You do a 12-hour shift, and then you get 12 hours off. <laughs> and you're like, this sounds amazing. This is an amazing deal. Uh-huh. It's not an amazing deal. Um, <laughs> that 12 hours <laughs> off is pretty good. <laughs> the 12 hours, sure. But, but when I got sun poison on Thursday... <laughs> On my leg, I was just like, this is awful. So what is funny, though, I was like, so the first night I was so tired. I was like, I can't go see it. But Stevie Wonder and Jay-Z were playing, and I was like, I was like, all right, I'm going to go. I got to go see that. So I watched Stevie Wonder. He gets off. Jay-Z's about to go on. I'm trying to get close. <laughs> and I feel something warm running down my back. Oh. And I turn around, and there is a giant man who was on some sort of drugs peeing on my back. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, oh my I am God. not kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I am not kidding. And I turn around, and I just, I was like, what's going on right now? <laughs> and by the, like, <laughs> what does my life come to? And then I turn back around, and the guy's already, like, shot out. And I was just like, you know what? I've got sun poison. This is awful. I'm going to watch Jay-Z with pee on my back. <laughs> and that's what I did. <laughs> The delicate touch of Paul Janeway when a man is peeing on him. He turns around and he says, hey, so what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> I was, well, he was a giant. What was I going to do? What was your post? What, what did you actually have to do at Bonnaroo? What was your job? I, I was there. There was like a VIP with a VIP. Like I was at the door or at the gate. Right. Door, gate. Yeah. And it was right. And so <laughs> there was two things I had to do. You know, check credentials. And then also... Um, <laughs> also make sure that hippies did not stay in the road because there was trucks going, you know, 40 miles an hour yeah, back right. there. Yeah. And so people just like, man, just chill out. And I'm like, you're going to die. You're Get out of the die. road. That was right around the same year the guy got hit by the uh, porta potty cleanup truck, that, wasn't it? That's my point. <laughs> and yeah. so, and so what was so magical for me, I even get like kind of emotional thinking about it because doing that and Bonnaroo being so close to Birmingham and me, you know what I mean? Like spending all my money on a Bonnaroo ticket and then in 2014 getting to play it. It was honestly like I, I, 
there are a few points in my life or professionally in, in this that I vividly remember, and that's one of them because it was just it felt like a dream. It what? felt like I can't – I remember being – a patron and sitting and going, I think I sing better than they do. Mm. Then having a moment and then being on stage, I just tried to soak it in all day. Thank you so much, Bonnaroo! We are St. Paul in a broken ball from Birmingham, Alabama. Brad and I mentioned uh, last week talking about you coming on that 2014 and the fact that you guys came out about 15 minutes early to do a sound check. And, and he and I both commented, we remember you standing in the middle of the stage, mm-hmm. staring out at the crowd, just yeah. sort of smiling, taking it all in, yeah. as you just said. Yeah, it's still, I mean, still to this, I, you know, it's like you have a few moments in, in your career and, and in this that you go, it could stop right after this and i would have accomplished everything i initially went out to accomplish i it was a dream i never i mean it was that's why you know bonnery will always have that special place with me i don't want to put words in your mouth but like i said you and i have talked before and and i just love this whole um progression of things you were actually thinking you were going to become a pastor right or a preacher uh while while you were working at the tanning bed But that was I the thought, goal. Well, I mean, before that, that was the goal. Okay. Um, the tanning bed era is not a uh, not a good time in my life. I was not <laughs> doing so hot. Um, but but uh, that but, but but before that time, that's really what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a preacher. I wanted to be a pastor. Like this whole idea of playing music for a living was not something I ever thought I was going to do. Like this isn't for me. Doing this is not a dream. Dream dream that I've accomplished. It's a realization. They're like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, or feeling like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. But I wanted, I mean, that was my whole goal from like when I was like eight till about probably 21 was I wanted to be a preacher. And that's, that was my, I worked towards that. I would speak in church when I was like 12 or 13, learned how to work a crowd. <laughs> and I thought that's what I wanted to do. Another place where me and Paul almost run parallel tracks. I don't know if Barry even, you even know this. Barry, one of my best friends in the world, doesn't even know this. Do you know when I was 16, I won a preaching competition? I did not. I was going to wow. be. A, I was going to be a preacher, and I realized that it wasn't the message that I was giving. It was the power of a of a crowd that I had that I liked uh, so much bingo. about it. And I wonder, like, when was that moment for you? Was it? Had you already had a band? Did you just take some guys from from the church band? Uh, when did it? When did it make that turn? Well, I always played music in church, um, but I never really thought. Um, I actually had. <laughs> I actually had a pastor or a preacher who was kind of a mentor, and he kind of, I think it was his idea of humbling me, because he could tell I really was attracted to being on stage and and that kind of thing. He always kind of said, you know, hey, you're not that good of a singer, and you're not that good of this, and and uh, so I always, I still, it's really bizarre, I still to this day struggle with, even though I do this for a living, struggling, going, I'm not good enough. Mm. Did you figure out later that he was probably trying to keep you, uh, he wanted to be the front singer? <laughs> he, <laughs> he was trying to keep you down? I part of it. <laughs> yeah, it was part of it. And uh, I, so it took me a really long time to gain any sort of confidence to play in front of people. So I started, you know, once I kind of was like, all right, this preacher thing, not really for me. You know, I was kind of understanding, like, I, I love the performance aspect of it. I was still playing guitar and writing songs and singing, so I'd, I'd go to 
I'd go to open mic nights in Birmingham at some, you know, some bar somewhere, and I'd say, hey, you know, da 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 da. And uh, they, I started being like, man, I'm getting a reaction out of these people. So there's something to this. I'm doing something right. And so then I finally was like, well, maybe I should record it. And so I started, you know, I would take, I had this old camcorder that I would just place on the on the bathtub, and I would just sit, not not naked on the toilet, but I'd be, I'd sit on the toilet and play my guitar and sing, and that's how I'd hear myself back. And, uh, and I was like, man, that's, so I was just, that's how it, like, I, I figured out, all right, I'd start writing songs that way. And, and then, uh, I got in a band cause I just needed friends didn't have any friends and, <laughs> and that's, that's how I ended up. Well, you're, you're not going to meet a lot of people at the tanning bed. That's for sure, Paul. <laughs> no, well, I, I, there was, I was always an old lady that would come out in her underwear like, I don't know how this thing works. And so, <laughs> and you're just like, all right. So like- and that's how I met Jesse. Who's the bass player in this band? And we've, man, it's been it's been almost a decade now, and we're we've been uh, best friends since then. And uh, he's he really truly is the reason this band exists because he he heard something in me that I wasn't confident enough about, and he was like, man, we got to push. And and he, if it weren't for he knew everybody, and if it weren't for him, this this wouldn't have happened. I had a conversation. So before I uh, I get a little bit OCD, I get obsessive with with artists. And uh, before I followed you guys around the country for about a year and a half. I did the same thing with the Alabama Shakes because I fell deeply in love with Brittany Howard. And I love that band so much. And they still, to this day, my favorite band of all time. I had a conversation because I saw them maybe 15 times in a year. I had a conversation one night with with Ben Tanner, who's the keyboardist for the Alabama Shakes. This is maybe 2013, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, 2012, right after Boys and Girls was released or something like that. I can't remember exactly the timeline because he was the only one of the band that would talk to me. (laughs) Uh, So I would just. (laughs) I was just, Without police, right? I was just, I was just shooting the shit with him for a little bit, and he's like, "I was like, so what are you doing? What do you do when you're not doing this band thing?" He's like, "Well, you know, I've got this project that I'm doing right now. It might be the best thing I've ever done in my career." And I'm like, "Oh, cool. What is it?" He's like, "Well, I'm producing this album for this band called St. Paul and the Broken Bones." Cool. And I said, "No, okay, sure. I'll see you later." Uh, and then turns out, yeah. That's cool. He's got you got half the city. You got half the city written. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I mean, it's it's all incestuous in Alabama. There's something that happened somewhere in 2010, 2011, 2012 with Alabama music culture, and it just blew up. It's like a band that came out of Alabama couldn't fail. Yeah, it was you guys uh, and and uh, the Shakes and the Secret Sisters all sort of hit. Well, you had you had you had, you had John Paul, the Civil Wars. You've had right. you know you've had Jason, Jason Isbell, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh I think what's bizarre for me it was one of those things where I for me this is just me personally like I I'm a competitive person. We were working on this stuff and then the shakes showed up and we were like, "Oh shit." Like this is <laughs> This is like, yeah, all right. Uh, you're just like, man, because you know, and I, I those guys, those folks are. I love those people, and but for me, for me, it's like, man. So we, you know, we kind of just so we we had we'd all kind of known each other, and Rowan, who's a guitar player, is from Muscle Shoals, and and for me, I just this state is too small. I just pull for everybody. You know what I mean? Like it's not. I'm competitive, but it's a it's a friendly competition. Mm-hmm. You know, like when they make a great record, I want to make a great record. Or when you know what I mean? When I hear all these musicians, and I, I want them to, I want them to succeed. And so, the, what's bizarre is that we had known Ben, and we weren't sure Ben was playing. We had heard that Ben, you know, Ben had kind of said he, you know, because Ben was. He was kind of a not a later he was later edition right. playing keys. Right. And he so, was not part of the original Shakes lineup. That's he's not. Yeah. He, and so he was like he was doing that and 
and we were like, you know, he they were starting a record label, him and John Paul and a guy named Will Trapp started Single Lock Records. And we were just like, you want to give us money and we record a record? Hell yeah! You know, like... <laughs> We didn't know. I mean, nobody nobody cared about us. And uh, and he did. And it changed our lives. And it changed Ben's lives. You go make Sea of Noise. How did that process change? Because obviously you change producers and you, you try you try to do a, a little bit different and try and grow as an artist. What right. was the, what was the change, the big change for you, at least artist-wise, from one album to the next? I started making money. Oh, wow. I mean, that's one thing, and, and which was difficult um, because I was I was I was so used to making minimum wage, and for I mean over a decade now I have money and I have people caring about what we do. Um, I almost quit. To be honest with you, after uh, after half the city, because I was just, I was just so, I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't like have money. <laughs> it was just wow. so weird for me. I was trying to figure out what I needed to do with my life, and uh, it's not what you know. My wife, my, when we first met, I went back to school and I was going to be an accountant. You know, I went back to school late in my life or later, and and she didn't sign up for that, wow. and uh, and I almost quit. I, but for me, it was one of those things. I was like, I have to kind of keep pushing forward. You know, um, because if I just if we it's like if we make half the city too, I think I would have been done. You made one of the best albums of the decade, and then afterwards you said, "Nah, I don't know if I can make any money on this." <laughs> what, what am I? What well, am it's I? Not that, it's not that I, I could. I was making money. It was just, that was the problem. Uh, it made me incredibly uncomfortable. Oh right, right. Um, you, yeah, you didn't like. Okay. You know, it made me just feel like I was stealing. Um, that happened, I was stealing in life. It happened pretty you know? quick, right? I mean, it and it happened quick, exactly. So you start going, all right, what kind of artists are we going to be? You can start to see those changes, though, in Sea of Noise. Like, I don't know a song that you guys made in Half the City that had, uh, at least to me, the, the societal impact and an acknowledgement of whatever's happening in the world, like Is It Me? I think Is It Me yeah. is the best song you guys have ever written. It, I actually I actually kind of, I think that or I'll Be Your Woman. It's are, just are so different than anything else that you guys have written because it is it is about something that is outside of you. It's about society, and it is, boy, you could you can pull whatever sort of threads of current day politics out of that song if right. you wanted to. Right, and I think that was the point is to, so for me, so I'm going through this identity crisis, and I read a book by Brian Stevenson called Just Mercy, and it's a beautiful book about a thing called the Equal Justice Initiative that started in Montgomery, Alabama, and started in the state of Alabama. And it moved me to a way that I was like, I have to work through this. I have to work through this Southern identity in these modern times. And I don't, I don't, I don't think I am not a philosophy major. I am not an expert at a lot of things. So for me, it was a situation where you ask a lot of questions and not give a lot of answers. And that's what that, that's, that song, songs all over that record are that way. And it was a risk. It was a risk for us because I didn't want to alienate anybody, but at the same time, I had to do it. It had to, like, if I, 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 we're actually getting done, we're actually, like, I think we'll be done with the, like, with the photo, you know, the cover and all that stuff in, in about a couple weeks with the new record. It's so interesting talking to, like, we're, we're, we're on Columbia now, and it's so interesting talking to them about the commercial, like, Half the City was commercially more successful. Mm-hmm than Sea of Noise. And Sea of Noise was critically more successful than Half the City. They talk about, you know, oh, you know, sales and all this kind of stuff. And, and Sea of Noise has done well. It's not done as well as Half the City. But for us, and I have to tell them this constantly, we don't exist as a band if Sea of Noise does not come out, if we don't go through that process. And, and now I feel incredibly liberated 
and like it's it's weird. But that was a having hindsight now with that record. That was a very difficult record to get through because I mean, some of the guys were just like, "Oh my God, we're about to commit career suicide." Kind of a tackling societal thing where half the city was not that. It was kind of a heartbreak. You know, let's dance record. Next week, part two of our conversation with Paul Janeway from St. Paul and the Broken Bones. This is the What Podcast. That's Barry. I'm Brad. I just love him so much. I just want to be his best friend. Wasn't that fun? I, I just like, he's my Oprah. Yeah. I just, he's just got that <laughs> thing that I want to be around all the time. He does. Um, I, I loved, uh, I loved your comment about him looking like a peeled apple. That's pretty <laughs> that's hilarious. Apple, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what mom used to call me. So I can relate. So next week, this is what we're going to do next week. It's going to be part two of this conversation with Paul. Yeah. So not only does he break news in the, the conversation that we had that we'll play next week, but he also uh, has some uh, 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 big news about the show at Bonner. You ask him a great question about what's the new show going to be like. Right. He gets into that, and I wanted to mention, too, um, we've threatened to do this for a while, and I think this would be a good time. Is we'll, We hope to call some of you guys, uh, some awesome. of you listeners that uh, have reached out and said you'd be willing and happy to, and so cool. we'll set up some times to have you guys call, and we'll record those, and yeah. we'll probably run some of those next week. Too. Yeah, and if you'd like to be featured on the podcast, drop us a comment, thewhatpodcast.com. Leave us uh, your, your comment, and we'll uh, try and get in touch with you this week. Yeah. You want to do that? That's fun. That I think that'd good. be a lot of fun. You know, I brag about it to you all the time. I think we're now in 26 countries. Oh, it's I got 26. Yeah. You're starting to sound like Bazzy. I, you're, you're, you know the numbers. I just think that's so cool. <laughs> I love looking at the stats and the emails and uh, I, I mean, you know, we well, didn't know where this was going to go. Honestly, it's because it's it's not because we don't like a pat on the back. It's because the people that interact with us, they love Bonnaroo. Yeah. And yeah. for some reason, it all ties us together. It's like being a Nam. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> That's right. you just know a vet it's just a by looking in their syndrome. eyes. <laughs> yeah, the comments are great. I mean, the one we got the other day, somebody said they don't think they'll ever again experience anything like 90,000 people singing Hey Jude. It was a great moment. Which was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't remember, I think it was Randy who said it, but absolutely, as soon as I saw that, I was like, yep. That took was, me right back. Took me right back. You speak the language. I can talk to you. I told him we woke up that next morning, sat, sitting around the camp at Camp Nut Butter and just talked about it. We and, literally had a guy at camp after the Paul McCartney show. He packed his stuff up and left because he said, Plup, more <laughs> I can do here. <laughs> I don't need to see anything else this weekend. Yeah. Literally just left. I'm done. I'm done. I, <laughs> <laughs> and so are we. We are done as well. Uh, give us your comments at thewhatpodcast.com. You can find Barry on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle there, Barry? Barry JC. All right. I'm at Brad Stinks. Thewhatpodcast.com or the what underscore podcast on Twitter. We'll talk to you and Paul again next week on The What. Hey, 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 hey. How y'all feeling? Journey through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands? This year? That matter. With Brad Steiner and Barry Corner.